Hi, I'm Marlon Walker, and I'm live from Pelham's Wasteland. So I am back on the mic, back recording another episode. Um, this episode is supposed to go out today. I was planning on doing the my section of the recording yesterday afternoon, and then I was incredibly worn out, and basically as soon as I finished my work for the day, I went and lay down in bed and read for like 15 minutes and then fell asleep for several hours and then woke up and went to the bathroom and ate a tiny bit to eat and then went back to bed and slept for a number more hours. So I got a whole bunch of sleep, which is good. But um, I think that is because um, of, so I, I, I can't remember how much I mentioned on the podcast versus the YouTube channel. But I, I talked a little bit, I think, last time about my um, kind of health-related, exercise-related stuff that I've been doing. Um, back in uh, last year, in 2021, in um, kind of late November, right around, I think it was like the, the, the Monday or Tuesday of Thanksgiving week that I decided to start this. So I, I decided is I really need to get back to exercising regularly because I hadn't been and that I had kind of ever since sort of late October when I had my um, sort of most recent kind of long-term mental health breakdown moment, for lack of a better term, that I had been kind of experimenting with different things, trying to figure out what was going to work, all of that sort of stuff. And I, I ended up basically by kind of mid to late November being like, okay, why not, you know, try, you know, regular exercise as a thing to do. And it worked really well. And I was able to exercise almost every day for the rest of November. And then I said, you know what, let's, uh, let's kind of up the ante. How about, you know, exercise every day for the month of December, which I didn't quite hit. There are 31 days in December, obviously. And I exercised, I think 27 or 28 of them. Um, a couple of days that I missed. And I, I mean, exercise as in like um, the, the minimum was like 30 minutes of walking, but more common was um, sometime on, I have a, uh, a small rowing machine that I bought from Amazon that is uh, actually pretty good for, I don't remember how much I paid for it. It was not super cheap, but not nearly as expensive as you can get rowing machines for. Um, and it basically, you know, came in a box and I had to do all the assembly and stuff myself. And anyway, so that lives um, basically in my bedroom. And then I also have uh, free weight dumbbells that I was using. And then over Christmas, I was able to sort of add to that. My, my grandparents got me heavier dumbbells. I was using 15 pound dumbbells and they got me 25 pounders. And then I also was able to figure out I first got so my dad is really into bicycling and he had an extra um, a, an extra. Well, he has a bunch of bicycles, but he had one that was sort of designated for my use. And he had an extra kind of special piece uh, from a friend that was it's basically like a, a sort of stability piece that you put um, you set the, the back wheel in this kind of contraption and it hooks on to the axle for the, the back wheel and it presses the wheel just kind of very gently against this uh, piece that provides, it's a, a cylinder that has some resistance to turning so that you can kind of push against it and basically turn a, a regular bike into a stationary exercise bike. 
Um, and so I was doing that, but then basically in over the course of, so I did really well in December and then over the course of January and sort of the beginning of February, I kind of gradually lost uh, momentum and ended up not doing it nearly as much. And then I've been sort of building back up for the past, uh, two weeks or so trying to exercise regularly again, um, going for at least something every day. And I've got a sort of schedule of basically, um, more intense stuff six days a week. And then on Sunday I do a relatively light kind of recovery day type thing. Um, and I've been sort of tinkering with the, uh, the schedule and the planning and stuff a little bit over the past couple of days. Um, and I think that is basically why I was so tired is because I think the new, new plan is working in terms of being kind of higher intensity, more, um, you know, muscle wear and tear and all that sort of stuff, but that I think it also just, you know, completely wore me out after a couple of days. So I need to try to work on kind of a, a balance essentially to try to figure out what's going to, what's going to work and what's not. And probably also wouldn't be a bad idea to do a similar kind of examination of my diet, try to make sure that I'm, you know, taking in good nutrients and not, you know, taking in, you know, sugars and stuff like that, that just, you know, run through your system and all that sort of stuff. Don't provide as much kind of long-term energy and all that. But anyway, the, the point being that, um, I basically, all of this is just to say that I planned on doing my section of recording because we have a number of call-ins, all of them from my buddy, Jason Connerly, um, Jason of the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. And I'm going to respond to all of these call-ins and, um, uh, it's going to be great. We have about nine minutes of call-ins from Jason, so we'll see how long this episode goes. I'm going to try to keep it to less than an hour, but we'll see. Knowing me, I can definitely ramble. So anyway, huge thank you to Jason for all the call-ins, giving me stuff to talk about. Um, and uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get into... So Jason is going to be calling in basically about the last week or so of episodes. I think the first call-ins are largely about um, 3.12 and a little bit about 3.11. And then he's also got some stuff um, about 3.13, which is the, the most recent uh, episode that I have put out. So um, basically the last three episodes are where the, the, the core of this kind of call-in commentary comes from. So anyway, I hope you guys are excited. I hope you enjoy this episode and uh, let's get into it. Hey, Arlen, Jason here. Before I strain my ears trying to hear Carl's call, I will want to call in and say Hyperspace D6 sounds really cool. I will check that out. That definitely sounds like what you want for a Robin Hood game. You, you want to be able to have a quick rule system that lets you fight big groups of guards and do all that without, you know, tons and tons of detail. But you, when you have that fight with the sheriff, you, you definitely, or his champion, you, you definitely want to be able to, you, you know, parry and thrust and, and, and do that. And you can definitely do it narratively, but you want it to be more than just roll D6 to resolve it. Where if you're, you know, Robin Hood's barreling into eight guards, then you might just want to be able to roll a die or two to, to resolve each of those combats. So I will check that out. That sounds very, very cool. And I'm a big fan of the Mecha Hack too, so I, I definitely like that company. All right, Jason calling in about 
hyperspace D6. I think the specific comment is about the way that hyperspace D6 handles um, lightsaber duels, which is a really cool concept. Hyperspace D6 is a hack of the Westin game Star Wars system that uses all D6, but it's been um, kind of uh, trimmed way, way down. And there's some kind of clever, uh, more modern elements added in, basically. Um, and then there's some some kind of interesting design decisions. So, like, one of the big things is that there are um, still, I think, six core stats with the Force as a seventh kind of stat that only certain characters have access to if they have Force sensitivity. Um, but then the idea is that the um, the the each of the stats has exactly the same number of skills, and part of the idea being that you reduce the because the way that the die rolling works is that you roll as many d sixes as the rating in the stat plus the rating in the skill, and so if you have a lot more skills under certain stats, that that stat presumably becomes kind of more useful almost, um, which is kind of an, you know, it's a, it's a classic kind of transition for balance for modern design. But anyway, there's some really cool things. Hyperspace D6, um, you can search Hyperspace D6 on Google and find it's just a Google Doc. It's not um, for sale anywhere or anything like that. Although I think it could be because I think technically you could uh, sell it if you wanted to. But Matt Click, the guy who uh, designed it, I guess, decided that he didn't want to sell it. He just wanted to put it out there. Um, anyway, but for lightsaber duels, what they do that's really cool is that you roll opposed checks with whatever kind of relevant skill it is for what you are doing. And that could be, you know, actual, your, you know, your actual lightsaber skill trying to, you know, smack at each other with lightsabers, but it could also be like using the force, like the way that, um, you know, in the Empire Strikes Back, Darth Vader kind of lowers his lightsaber and starts tossing um, shit off the walls and on Bespin at Luke. And Luke is just, you know, trying to use his lightsaber to deflect it and keeps getting smacked with, uh, you know, random, essentially, you know, mechanical junk and stuff and that, all of that sort of stuff. So you can do things like that, too. And then the idea is every time whoever kind of wins the round builds up a, a pool of dice and then once someone has won the round the most recent round and decides that it's time to end it then both sides you have to win the most recent round to decide that it's time to end it basically um but if you win the round and decide that it's time to end it then both sides roll all of their dice and whoever has a higher total gets to kind of decide what the outcome is essentially and there's some rules and guidelines based on like the the difference in um totals i think that like basically the 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 bigger the higher your the winners sum of dice is relative to the losers sum of dice the um more it makes sense for them to announce things like you know they killed the enemy as opposed to they just sort of drove them off and things like that i don't remember how much of that there is although obviously that's something that you could do kind of at your table talk about that sort of thing but Anyway, the idea being that that way you have this kind of back and forth fight where you're sort of both sides are kind of building up their sort of advantages for the kind of finale. Um, and so you don't have that kind of hit point attrition over time type thing that you do in a lot of games in fights, but that instead you have this kind of, you know, 
gradual buildup as as one side is able to kind of create enough positional advantages and things like that to kind of set up for the the kind of one final blow type thing um which i really like as an idea i think it's a really cool concept for um running that style of fight i think that's a it's a really really brilliant idea and i'm I'm tempted to try to figure out how to kind of bring that into more um uh systems and situations some some type of kind of build up the 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 pool and use the pool as the kind of how did the fight go in this sort of final stroke type thing something something like that seems like it would be a cool concept for that kind of like swashbuckling back and forth dual concept but i'm I'm not entirely sure how to do it so i've been thinking a lot about it so anyway but yes hyperspace d6 you listener can get your own copy by just searching for it on google it's a google drive link and you can you know download your own version of it and uh, hack it up to your heart's content or play with it as written as far as HEMA goes, you know, I, I, I did the Society of Creative Anachronism years ago, and I almost got involved with a group. I don't know if they were actually HEMA or another group, but doing, you know, quote-unquote European martial arts, which is sword fighting, um, the European style. I've got a book, a manual somewhere at home. Um, it's not like the old-style manual. It's, it's based on that, but it's got modern, like, photograph pictures to show you the different moves and show you the different things. But and there's a a group that that does it about an hour away from me. I went to their practice one time, but it just hasn't worked in my schedule to let me do it. Get it. Get back over there. That was all pre-COVID. Maybe I'll maybe I'll try to get back involved with that at some point because it, it's definitely interesting and it's definitely something I'd I think I'd enjoy. So thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. So uh, Hema or Hema. Uh, I too have a, from a long time ago, it was uh, sometime in high school, I think I asked for these books for uh, Christmas or birthday or whatever, but I have a pair of kind of instructional manuals. And I think one of them is called like the art of Renaissance sword fighting. And one of them is called the art of medieval sword fighting and medieval is blue and Renaissance is red. And they were, uh, my understanding is that they were sort of early attempts or relatively early attempts at creating a kind of um, modern sort of synthesis manual, if that makes sense. Because my, again, this is all my understanding as somebody who is is not necessarily super deep into the um, Kima kind of sphere is that there are sort of um, a couple of different kind of categories of, of product or book and that that is their sort of um, stuff that is kind of like this is the original material and that it's often um, often with with translation but that there will be like you know it's a like a, whatchamacallit a, um, a reproduction of the original codex with you know translations in the margins and stuff like that um, that, uh, allows somebody who does not know the particular uh, language that it was originally written in to, uh, read it, but that it's, it's very focused on kind of the, the original material essentially. And then there's another sort of direction, which is the, uh, for lack of a better term, the, uh, kind of 
revisionist or modern inspired by version, I guess you might say, which is stuff that is kind of, it's not necessarily the kind of specific original material, but that it is the kind of, um, you know, like the author's synthesis of that material in some ways. And so it often will have either original or modern arc to illustrate the, um, the points, but that it's not necessarily like a direct um, translation of any um, actual kind of like medieval or Renaissance text, but is rather a um, kind of a, you know, a, 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 the, a, a modern author's own words trying to convey the same sort of material. Um, and that obviously, once you kind of get seriously into something like that, that the people have, you know, very strong opinions about which one is better or not. Um, but my understanding is that those particular books and I'll, um, maybe I'll, I'll take a picture of them or something and put it on discord or something, but that those books in particular were, um, very much kind of one of the, the first wave of essentially, um, modern modern books that are trying to fulfill the same role rather than a translation of a um medieval book if that makes sense and so anyway so i have those from a long time ago um and i thought they were awesome but i never kind of got very deep into them beyond just sort of thinking oh that's kind of cool and you know ooh pretty pictures and i i think i got them for similar reasons as i got into hema sort of the last time i got into hema which is that i was interested in um drawing and animation um and that I was really interested in the idea of, you know, like, for instance, drawing comics that feel um, more kind of realistic depictions of that sort of content, if that makes sense. And so that's why I got that's why I asked for those books in particular um, is because I wanted that sort of, you know, realism element almost i wanted to kind of learn how it worked and so anyway but yeah Hema is really interesting um there's some really cool stuff i've been talking i think i mentioned i've been talking with john chandler a little bit about um all the kind of different Hema stuff that exists and what to get into and all that sort of stuff kind of ways to kind of uh get invested in that sort of material so um, i'm definitely going to be talking more about that in the future Hey, Erlen, Jason here. I much prefer the podcast format to the YouTube. I'm currently paying for whatever the paid YouTube thing is so I can download shows, but it's still much more convenient to listen to the podcast. Because of the YouTube, I still have to write down where I stop the show because there's no way to save it in progress and that kind of thing. I only go to I only go to YouTube if I can't get it on the podcast, so... To me, I would much rather you duplicate your content and, and also put on the podcast. But, of course, I'm not your only listener, so do, do what's best for everybody. I'll manage through either way. But, for example, your YouTube things, I'm interested in the in the discussion things you're doing on YouTube, but I just haven't got around to downloading and trying to, you know, listen to them. Because even when I download YouTube, I listen to them. I don't watch them. So the audio is lost on me. I mean, I'm sorry, the visual is lost on me. All right, so this is the only call-in I got about um, putting YouTube stuff on the podcast. Um, so I went ahead and did it. And um, yeah, so I've got 
the the most recent episode on my podcast before this one is uh, 313, which is 313 from YouTube. And then it's the first three episodes of my RPG recommendations series on YouTube. And then I have, a, a as I put in the title, a sort of brief introduction that I recorded for Anchor to kind of explain what was going on and um, what you can expect in that episode. Um, beyond just the, the audio from the YouTube. So I think I'm going to do that going forward, at least for a while, see kind of how it does um, in terms of what people are interested in and listening to and all that sort of stuff. Um, that episode has done pretty well in terms of um, listenership. So I don't know if I assume that's a good sign. I guess we'll see if I get more comments that are, you know, I hate that I have to listen to stuff that I already saw on YouTube, then obviously I will um, tinker with the plan. But for right now, I think Jason's suggestion was a good one, and I've got um, that going forward. So uh, we'll uh, play it by ear, see how it goes. And uh, otherwise, I hope you guys enjoy that content. Hey, Arlen, Jason here. I'm almost done episode 3.12. I'm stopped about 20 minutes from the end. You're talking about video games, which I don't play. So, I, And I've, I've got some other stuff I need to do, so I paused it. I, I will listen to the rest of it. I wanted to mention that the idea of you know balancing RPGs and other things in your free time is... You, you know, I've also come across that. I had scheduled... As you know, I you know, do a rotating schedule. It's based around a two-week schedule. And I had a, a game or maybe more than one game on every day I was off. You know, each of those days across the two weeks I was off. So I was either working or I had an RPG that day. And what I found is it was just too much. It just, I didn't have time to do other things. It cut into the free time. I was missing being able to watch things on TV or read or even listen to music with the amount of podcasts I try to track. So the actually that's not true. There's one day in the 14 days where I wasn't working and didn't have an RPG scheduled. <laughs> um, but that wasn't enough. And so the first game to fall was a game on a Tuesday afternoon w- with a great bunch of, of guys over in England, guys and gals over in England. Um, and unfortunately it you know it's their evening time, which is my afternoon, but it's the only day I have off that week. And it was one of those during the week, and there was, with errands and other things I need to do, it just really conflicted. And, and I love playing with that group. I love playing with those folks. I and I want to play with more folks, but it's just not realistic right now. So I had to kind of back out of that game, and I'm probably gonna have to back off to one or two of the night games too. I just don't know which ones. It's so hard to pick which games to drop, you know. But I think it's worth, you know, worth figuring that out to have that free time to do those other things, whether it's a creative time of, you know, having time to make content for the podcast. You know, I want to do some actual play stuff, but I almost need to have that free day, free night or free time open to do the actual play. And I don't have that right now or like, you know, to read and do these other things to give me the inspiration. So, yeah, or spend time with the family, too. Right. Right now, my wife works a ton of hours, too, and my son's been working a lot of hours. So we've kind of been ships passing in the night anyways. Excuse me. So it hasn't really cut into... Games haven't really cut into that time because of our schedules. But when our schedules slow down, I definitely need to spend time with them. And, of course, family's going to 
needs to take precedence over games, without doubt. It, it always should. But, yeah. So I, I definitely feel you there trying to do the balance between gaming and other things. And, and I think you need to find a healthy way to do it. Yeah, you know, balance is uh, it's important and it's difficult. It's one of those things I think, I think I've talked in the past on the podcast at least a little bit about the idea that I find um, kind of like regular but small tasks relatively difficult for whatever reason. My kind of temperament is much more suited to like kind of do all of that work at once and then be done with it for a while and that therefore I have trouble with especially kind of like just you know regular chores that just need to get done regularly and they're not very hard to do right like it takes you know maybe two minutes to take out the trash but you know it's just difficult for me sometimes to kind of muster up the energy almost and the the willpower to just do it instead of you know finding another a way to put it off or something and anyway and and i find that balancing is kind of like that too that i um have a, a kind of deep desire to sort of get to the point where i don't have to do any kind of administrative maintenance on my schedule and i don't know how uh likely i am ever to get there but that uh that kind of uh desire is almost keeping me going and allowing me to do um, regular sort of administrative maintenance on my schedule in the past couple of weeks that I've been doing a lot of kind of trying to figure out exactly like what I want my, my kind of long-term schedule to look like and almost the, the, the kind of noble lie of, well, someday I won't have to do this goddamn administrative work is, is helping me with that on some level. So I don't know. It's kind of a weird, a weird place to be, but I totally get what you're saying. And I, I really agree that all of those things are important. And, you know, it's only 24 hours in a day. And if you're like me, you need to spend, you know, somewhere between eight and nine of them asleep. So uh, it's, uh, you know, 16, 15 hours of stuff to do. And you don't have energy for 15 hours of active stuff, at least if you're like me, you, you know, you can't do, you know, Anyway, the point being that I, I totally get what you're saying and where you're coming from. And I, I really, you know, I feel like we're on the same page about that. And it's, you know, it's important and it's difficult. It's not easy to to balance all of the different, you know, things you might want to do or, you know, all of the things in the same way that it's, you know, difficult for some people like me to, uh, you know, balance a, a, a budget long term, you know, there's a part of me that I'm really good at making an Excel spreadsheet and listing a bunch of stuff. But there's another part of me that is just terrible about like, you know, oh, it looks like there's a sale on drive through, I better buy a PDF that I probably don't need, but I want. And, you know, therefore, that just kind of, you know, damages the integrity, especially when it happens a lot. But anyway, the point that I'm getting at is that I, I think we're on the same page. And I, I really appreciate that everybody in my kind of online community has been really understanding of me, um, you know, dropping out of games or missing sessions or whatever else has kind of happened recently that um, has been a, a reflection of me trying to kind of balance the uh, total time spent on stuff in my life so anyway hey Arlen Jason here so I finished your episode and I'm glad I did your solo sliders game because it reminds me of the sliders TV show sounds a lot of fun sounds like a lot of fun 
So I look forward to hearing how that goes. Hang in there, and um, I look forward to playing games with you and following along as you create content and having fun. So take care. We'll talk to you soon. So I had to look up the Sliders TV show, of course. It was uh, kind of not something that I'd ever watched. And um, based on the Wikipedia page, sounds like it was kind of before my time in a lot of ways. But yeah, it's kind of an interesting. I'm really excited by this idea of having kind of, you know, um, some level of kind of continuity between this kind of wackiness i guess that's that's sort of what really gets me about this is that it's not just like a whole bunch of solo play in the same system with kind of no continuity but that there is an element of a kind of continuity of this character of, of merrick that um gives provides something at least for me to the the kind of concept that i think is really cool so um that's been a, a real thing and i've been kind of doing a lot of research and reading up on lots of the different kind of fate uh world books for ideas and stuff like that and so i'm, I'm definitely really excited for the process and um yeah i look forward to chatting with you about it jason hey arlen jason here enjoy your format of bringing things over from youtube i think it works fine i listened to episode zero and episode one where you talk about fate and you know i think it worked fine for the podcast i think if you just do that in the future then mark them youtube content well that works for me i don't know about anybody else (laughs) as far as fate goes i've had it you know for many many years and I, I don't know. You, you know, I, I still need to get in a game with a good Fate RGM and, and play it and, and really see. I've listened to actual plays of Fate. I've read it. I kind of bounce off a little bit. The die mechanic, I don't I don't love. And just like I, I don't like, one of the things that I bounced off Feng Shui 2 on was the die mechanic because it, it just seemed counterproductive. But I'm going to have to leave you another message. In Feng Shui 2, you roll two dice, you subtract one from the other, and then, you know, so it's kind of like the whole idea of the fate die, the plus one, minus one thing, and it just, I don't know. I, I That doesn't gel with me. And, and then the other issue I have, I, I find doing careers, like you have in Barbarians Lemuria, works better for my mind than aspects. I understand aspects, but I have a harder time wrapping my mind around it and using it in a game, you, you know, with approaches as if, as opposed to hard, you know, skills, as opposed to concrete skills. So, and that's a falling and failing in me as a player and, and the way my mind works. So maybe it would be like, I, said, I really need to get into a game to see. Um, I, PDQ is also a similar thing that I'm interested in. I, I've looked at read through made characters for, but I haven't played PDQ. I'm, I'd like to try that it, as well as fudge actually. Take care. Yeah, Fate is uh, it's kind of an unusual beast in a lot of ways. Um, I, uh, you, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a a strange thing. There's a lot of stuff that I really like about Fate, including I I actually kind of like the the die system. Although I think you could do something else that might feel a little better in play for someone like you, Jason. Like, for instance, I know um, there's a, a game that I think we've talked about some, Icons. Um, Icons by uh, Steve Kinson, 
who um, sort of the the main guy behind Mutants and Masterminds, um, and it's sort of a a blend of Mutants and Masterminds and the old uh, Marvel superheroes game from TSR and Fate. And for uh, Die Convention, what it does is it uses uh, basically every check is opposed. And for checks, you have a rating plus a D6. And so the result is that the, you know, the dice most of the time cancel each other out, but that maybe that would feel better in play than the like Feng Shui 2 style where it's, you know, add one die, subtract the other, or even the fate style where most of the time the dice don't matter very much that it, it kind of gets to the same point, but might feel a little bit more of the kind of, kind of traditional die rolling, I guess, if that makes sense. Cause it, it still feels a little bit more like, you know, well, I want to roll my six on my D six to, to get a big uh, success type thing. So I don't know, I guess we could talk about that, but yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited to try Fate more and kind of get further into it because it's one of those games that I, I agree. I've had it for a long time. There's a ton that I like about it, but there's also always a sort of, kind of a like a a part of me that sort of almost feels like, is this it? it it's sort of how I think I would feel playing like a diceless game where um, like an amber diceless, for instance, when you get into a sword fight, it's basically just whoever has the better sword fighting rating wins. Um, and that sort of feels like that. Um, I guess that, that really makes sense to me for like a, a video game or like a digital RPG in a lot of ways, because in a lot of video games or, or like digital RPGs, um, one of the things that happens when there is a an element of rolling a check that you um you know a lot of players in uh, single player games will do what's called save scumming which i i you may know about jason um and i suspect many of the listeners do but for anyone who doesn't basically the idea is that you um create a save game of the video game right before a specific check and then if the check doesn't go the way you want it to you just reload that save and do it again until you get the check and so for instance a um a game where you do kind of D style lock picking right where you you know it basically like rolls a d20 plus your skill versus the difficulty class of the the specific um lock to be picked well what happens is that just a lot of players unless you're specifically like trying to play iron man mode or the game has an iron man mode you just you know sit there and reload until you get a high enough die roll to make it happen and so a lot of uh a lot of games nowadays it seems like uh barring a couple of notable exceptions a lot of them that do that kind of thing better what they do is essentially use something kind of like the the sort of take 10 or take 20 rules from the the third edition era the third and 3.5 and pathfinder where basically out of combat checks are all a a 10 right that basically there's no die roll for out of combat stuff it's just a test versus your character's stats essentially or their stats and skills or however it is that determines the um, success or failure but that in combat there are still die rolls for things like you know attack rolls and damage rolls and stuff like that often um, it seems like that works pretty well um, especially in a video game where often part of the idea is that there might be kind of gated content behind um, specific kind of checks or abilities so like this is really common i know 
the the fallout game that i have played most is fallout new vegas and for instance there's even in the prologue there are a couple of places where based on what you have put your points into different skills there's kind of different content that you can experience based on having different skills. So like if you have an explosives of higher than 40, there's a character that you can talk to that will give you dynamite for the kind of showdown between the, the, the gangsters, the powder gangers and the, the townsfolk versus if you have a, um, explosive skill of less than 40, he won't do it. And so the idea is that because, Part of the expectation with the, the sort of video game version is that you'll play through the game again and experience whatever content you kind of didn't get to experience the first time. And so I think that measure of like, it's all about the rating and not about the dice kind of works better for that style of game. But I, I guess I don't know entirely because there's also part of me that really likes the idea of, you know, it's, you know, if I have a, a, a rating of five and the enemy has a rating of three, I'm just about always going to beat them in a sword fight if those are sword fight ratings because I, I kind of like that consistency. So I don't know. I guess uh, it's... I'm going to have to experiment with with fate and the solo play thing, and we'll see uh, what I end up deciding that I like or dislike about it. So anyway. Hey, Arlen, Jason here. Enjoyed your RPG recommendation, too. I have not seen that movie, so I can't comment on it, but it sounds interesting. I'll check it out. One interesting thing, though, you mentioned the raid. And at the time that Dread, the Judge Dread movie with Carl Urban in there came out, the Raid came out in 2011, Dread came out in 2012. There were a lot of complaints that Dread copied the Raid. Both take apart, both take part in like apartment complex structures, you know, apartment blocks. But they were actually filmed roughly the same time and developed kind of independently. It just happened to be, you know, that kind of synergy thing. But, but anyway, that that's about the only comment I can make because I haven't seen the other movie. But I, I will check it out. Take care. Keep up the great work. I guess I should say I have seen The Raid, and The Raid is an excellent film, well worth checking out for all action fans. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of an interesting uh, thing. I know, so I hadn't heard about The Raid at all when I saw Dread, and I thought Dread was pretty good, um, but I was not blown away the way that I was, you know, blown away when I first saw The Raid, um, that in my opinion, The, the Raid is... Uh, I think a, a better movie, not to say that dread is a bad movie, but that um, really, I think when you get down to it, there's a, I think a lot of the people who uh, I think there's a lot to like about uh, the dread movie with Carl Urban. And there's some kind of like minor things that uh, sound kind of minor when you talk about them, but I, I totally understand why people like it. Like the fact that Carl Urban doesn't ever take his helmet off, which it sounds kind of minor, but I totally agree that like I hate it in movies when they feel like, you know, oh, we need to show the actor's face. So they're going to take their helmet off regularly versus like that's actually one of the things that I enjoyed about the um, the first Suicide Squad movie that was not very good. Um, not the James Gunn, the Suicide Squad, but um, Suicide Squad from like 2016 or whenever it was that. um What's his name? Um, Deadshot, uh, who is in that movie, played by Will Smith. He uh, a number of times kind of puts his 
particular kind of mask helmet visor thing on and keeps it on for an action scene and that i really liked the idea that they felt comfortable with um covering up will smith's face in action scenes because that's a thing you know you look at lots of movies have this thing where you know it's the actor has to you know take off their helmet for the the action scene so you can tell it's them sort of thing and that that always bothers me except for in specific circumstances like you know a when pulling off her helmet to to finish off the witch king that to me is awesome and doesn't qualify but like um brad pitt taking off his helmet in troy just i mean his helmet for one thing doesn't like cover the center of his face basically at all. And I like, it's designed to look sort of like a Corinthian helmet, but a real Corinthian helmet basically only has like very small holes to see out of through the eyes, but it covers up almost everything else. And um, there's a part of me that just, you know, thinks that it's uh, uh, a, it's a really dumb helmet and B he's not even allowed to wear it in some of the fights because he has to take it off. So you can see that it's Brad Pitt. Um, and that that's, uh, very silly and, and annoys me. So I, I appreciate that part of stuff like dread, but yeah, I, um, the raid in, in my opinion is, is a really excellent, uh, film it's, uh, and then there's the sequel, the raid two, which is just sort of like bigger and better basically um it kind of i think uh falls apart a little bit in the sense that the raid one has such a really like kind of um tight structure that the raid two because it is uh, a little more sprawling doesn't kind of have that much but at the same time it's clear that they had uh quite a bit more money for the raid two and so we're able to do a lot more of the kind of big sequences or things like car chases where, you know, car chases are uh, very expensive. And uh, there's a reason that the raid one doesn't have any car chases and the raid two has a, a pretty incredible car chase action scene that is super fun. Um, anyway, which is just to say that, yeah, if for anyone who has not seen dread or the raid or the raid two or crazy samurai Musashi, you should go check out those movies because they're all a lot of fun. All righty. Well, we are under time currently. Anchor says we're at 42 minutes. Um, so I still have, you know, 18 minutes or so to blather at you guys. Um, but I'm not going to do that. Um, I think this is going to be just about the end for this episode of the podcast. Um, and then I'm going to plan on doing another episode of the podcast that will come out sometime on Thursday. Um, the plan is to do, like I've been talking about, kind of two episodes of the podcast a week that are just for the podcast. I'm not sure how long I'm going to stick to that. The big thing is that um, when I have a ton of call-ins, it makes sense to do kind of like a call-in show and a personal talk show, if that makes sense, to do like one episode where I have a whole bunch of call-ins and respond to them, and then a second episode where it's sort of just me talking about kind of the stuff that I feel like talking about for that episode. Um, but on weeks where I don't have as many call-ins, I may shrink it down, kind of combine those two to do kind of a, a call-in and ramble show all in one, basically. Um, but if I'm putting up uh, content that is also going up on YouTube on Anchor, then hopefully you will still get at least two episodes on Anchor a week. They just might, you know, one of them might be a, uh, a something from YouTube. Um, 
instead of being kind of recorded specifically for Anchor. So I, I don't, it, it should be very clear by now to anyone who has been listening that uh, I am definitely not a professional at this and that I am just sort of experimenting and trying to figure out what is gonna gonna work for me and work for you all and all that sort of stuff so anyway which is to say that i hope you have enjoyed this episode a huge thank you to my buddy jason connerly of the nerds rpg variety cast which you should be listening to if you are not listening to it's another podcast on anchor and it's really really good um and um yeah big thanks to jason for uh, calling in all those call-ins, giving me stuff to talk about. Big thanks to you guys, the the listeners, for uh, continuing to stick with me. That's uh, it's, you know, it's great. It's really wonderful that so many people have been, um, you know, hanging out and sticking with my uh, my RPG projects over the years and all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, I think that is going to be just about it for this episode. So thank you for listening. I've been Arlen Walker. I've been live from Pelham's Wasteland. And I will say, damn it. I've been Arlen Walker. I've been live from Pelham's Wasteland. And I will see you next time. Take care, everybody.